Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Gospel for this weekend. We have the story of the rich young man. Now, this story was one of Pope John Paul II's most favorite stories in all of sacred scripture. In fact, this gospel story inspired him to write the encyclical Veritas Splendor, which is the splendor of truth. John Paul II widely wrote about this story in the gospel. He referred to it as capturing the heart of the spiritual life and that it captured the essence of Christianity. John Paul II would always refer to this gospel as laying down the foundation or the framework for the spiritual and the moral life. But before we go into the gospel, what I want to do is first go into the first reading from the book of wisdom. What's happening here? Well, we're listening to King Solomon praying. It says, I prayed and providence was given to me. I pleaded and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepter and throne. I deemed riches nothing in comparison with her, nor did I liken any priceless gem to her because of all gold in view of her is a little sand. Well, King Solomon, he is the most powerful person in all of Israel. He has riches, he has power, he has honor, and yet he's telling us it means nothing to him. In fact, the greatest thing that he has in possession, the one thing that he cherishes the most, is the gift that God has given him, and that is the gift of wisdom. Why? Because Solomon believes that he will now share this gift of his wisdom to benefit all of humanity. See, now this is a great example of stewardship. Each and every one of us has been gifted by God, different gifts, skills, talents, abilities for the express purpose of using them to benefit others, to share those gifts with others in the service of God and God's people in this world. Now, what I want to do is bridge a connection between the first reading and the gospel. Both readings, we have individuals that are seeking out God such that their faith can grow stronger and increase. At the same time, we have both people, individuals, seeking out God because they know that God is the source of wisdom as well as eternal life. Going into the first reading, Solomon, he goes, he approaches God. He does it in the form of prayer. In the gospel, the rich young man, he approaches Christ literally by running up to him. Notice how it begins. As Jesus setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt down before him. It's important to note here that the young man, his identity is not revealed to us until the very end, that he is rich and wealthy. Isn't that odd? Peculiar? 
St. John Chrysostom, when meditating upon this gospel passage, said, this man represents all of us. Now, this man asks Jesus this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, don't we ask that same question ourselves? You know, aren't we all in search of salvation, eternal life? If we weren't, we wouldn't be going to Mass every week, praying every day. Notice the other detail. He ran up to Jesus. He didn't saunter up to him. He didn't walk up to him. He ran up to him, which shows how eager he is to receive salvation. This man, furthermore, knows that Jesus Christ and Christ alone is the source of eternal life. This man could have gone to the temple in Jerusalem and asked this question. This man could have gone to a Pharisee or a Levitical priest with this question, but he went to Jesus Christ because he knew Christ was the source of eternal life. Well, we too are like this man. We are eager to receive salvation. We don't take it for granted. Furthermore, we too, like this man, we know that Christ in Christ alone is the source of eternal life. Now, notice how Jesus responds to this young man. He tells them to follow the commandments, and then he lists the commandments in detail. Now, one can consider the commandments rules about the spiritual and moral life, but the rules to protect it. Look at sports, for example. Right now, we're in the season of football. Football itself is surrounded by rules, rules to protect the integrity of the game. Whether you're playing football or whether you're watching it, the rules help us enjoy the game. Well, so too in the spiritual and moral life. The commandments protect the integrity of the spiritual and moral life so that we can not only enjoy it, but be drawn into the mystery of it. And see, that's what Jesus is getting at here. Now, notice the commandments that Jesus uses. The first few are what scholars refer to as the negative commandments, things that we cannot do. You shall not kill. Well, killing is contrary to Jesus Christ. Christ is the source of all life. Therefore, we should always be promoting life. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, Christ is the source of all truth. Therefore, we should always be speaking the truth. Then Jesus turns, and then he offers the positive commandments. Honor your father and your mother. Well, we should always treat everyone with dignity and respect. See, Jesus is laying out these commandments as the basics. These are the basics to help us live a good spiritual and moral life. And yet, people are uneasy. They refer to these commandments maybe as religious prohibitions. Look at our culture. Our culture says, don't tell me what to do or don't tell me how to live my life. Well, that cannot be for us as Catholics. I'll give you a good analogy. You desire good health. Therefore, you go to your physician and you ask him, what can I do to promote good health? Now, first, you desire good health. Second, you go to the source that you know will provide to you good health. So your physician tells you, well, stop smoking, stop eating junk food, start eating a good diet, start exercising. What's your response? How dare you? How dare you tell me what to do? 
How dare you pose these restrictions upon me? Your physician will say to you, you know, you do whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you what promotes good health. Well, the same thing holds true in the spiritual life. And this is what Jesus is getting at. If we truly desire good health in the spiritual and moral life, we have to follow the commandments. And yet, this young man already is doing it. He tells Jesus from his youth, he's been following all the commandments. And this is beautiful. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus admires the sincerity as well as the integrity of this young man. When Jesus looks upon us, and he always does, he does so with love. He loves us because we too, like this young man, are carefully observing the commandments in our life. And yet, here's the biggest challenge. Jesus says to the young man, You are lacking in one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. If we want intimacy with God, if we want friendship with Jesus Christ, we cannot let nothing or anything at all come between us and God, regardless of what it is. Possessions, power, honor, the ego, fame, fortune, notoriety, whatever it is, we cannot let anything come between us and God. And yet what happens? It says, at that statement, his face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Herein lies the heart of the spiritual lesson for us all. And this is why Pope John Paul II loved the scripture passage. It talks about detachment. Detachment is the great spiritual tradition that has been practiced for centuries on end. The saints have written about detachment. St. Ignatius of Loyola referred to it as the indifferentia to be indifferent to the goods of this world. What we have to understand is each and every one of us has an infinite longing for the divine in our life. And nothing can take the place of it or satisfy that longing except God and God alone. And yet, what's the inherent danger? To replace that infinite longing with something else. See, when that happens, then we are setting us ourselves up for spiritual danger. And that's exactly what's happening with this young man. He put the possessions that he had in between him and Christ. And that's why he walked away from Christ. He could not follow him. This young man had a world-centered perspective. His whole life was centered about his possessions. And yet, what Christ was trying to do was move him to a God-centered perspective such that Christ and Christ alone was at the center of his life, that everything else in his life would fall in periphery around him or in harmony around him. See, this is exactly what Jesus wants from us. He wants each and every one of us to be Christ-centered, such that Christ and Christ alone is at the center of our life, and nothing at all in our life comes between us and him, such that we are not preoccupied with the things of this world, nor can the things of this world distract us or prevent us from growing in our faith. We must let the goods of this world go and then cling immediately to God. Our deepest hunger should always correspond to God and God alone. If you look at the lives of the saints, 
The saints were people who could immediately let go of the things of this world and immediately cling to God. Another way to look at this detachment is to say the worldly goods should not define who we are. Now, don't get me wrong. Cars, property, houses, vacations, cruises, yachts, golf courses, all those things are good. They are meant to be enjoyed. They are gifts given to us by God. We should enjoy them. We should take pleasure in them. But the moment that they define who we are, that's when we have big problems. Instead, the source of our identity should always be rooted in Christ, in Christ alone. And see, that's the lesson of detachment. And that's what lies at the heart of the scriptures for this weekend. Now, mind you, detachment is not apathy. Apathy is the mindset or the opinion that I don't care about anything or anyone in this world. No, that's not detachment. Detachment is letting go of the things of this world and clinging to God and making sure that we are Christ-centered. I'll give you some examples. A person that practices detachment can say, Lord, I don't care whether I'm rich or poor, powerful or weak. I don't care as long as I'm able to serve you. Lord, I don't care if I'm young or old, powerful or weak, sick or healthy. I don't care as long as I'm able to serve you. Lord, I don't care regardless of what my job is, regardless of whether I'm a custodian or whether I'm a high-priced lawyer on Wall Street. I don't care as long as I'm able to serve you. Lord, I don't care where I live. I don't care if it's a rusted-out tin shack or the mansion on top of the hill. I don't care as long as I'm able to serve you. See, that's detachment. That's why Pope John Paul II was so fascinated by this gospel. And see, this is exactly what Jesus Christ wants from all of us, to be Christ-centered, such that nothing at all gets in between our relationship with Christ. And that's all that Christ ever wants from us. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.